Welcome to Church Alive. We're located in the heart of Rutherford, New Jersey, and we're ready to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome home. Like, man, I feel like your life at home is even bigger than what you preach on, on the pulpit. In other words, he's even more of a man of integrity. His character, all that stuff shines even more within our family than sometimes even shows here. And so I want to honor you for that, honey. And it has been an amazing journey being married to you and doing the things of God together and raising the cutest little three kids in the world together. So, uh, but yeah, this is a little bit about Anthony and I. And, you know, we're so blessed. We get to do life with a lot of people here in this church. And we have so many of them that are really close friends with us. My best friend sits in the front row with me this morning. And I love you, Anna. And we have Noelia. And so many awesome people. And um, to their dismay, they get to know the weird things about Anthony and I. And uh, one of the things that Anthony and I are really particular about is atmosphere. And so, like, if you come to my house for dinner time, there's always music on. If you come in my car, my children have now developed the thing where, like, if you're in the car for more than five seconds, Rachel's like, Mommy, put worship on, you know? And, and Ben is the same. And, well, Benny normally wants, like, um, that song Rude on or thanks to Magno <laughs> and stuff like that. You know that song? Why you gotta be so rude? He loves singing that song. But, uh, but no, you teach him other good things, too. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of things that come with atmosphere. And recently, a couple of years ago, actually, well, it's happened twice, one that was recently, our 11th year anniversary, but a couple of years ago, Anthony and I went to this restaurant um, for our date night. And Monday nights normally is our date night. And so what happens normally on Mondays is that restaurants are not that crowded. And uh, sometimes the atmosphere isn't great. But if you have music on, all that kind of stuff, it helps. But we went into this really nice restaurant, and we were going to order our steak, like as we do. And there was something awkward in the atmosphere. Like, we're hanging out. It's like I was hearing what other people were ordering. I was hearing their weird conversations about walking their dogs and picking up dog poo. I'm like, this is not romantic, you know? And I'm like, what the heck? And so Anthony's like, well, you know what? Let's make our own music. And so he grabbed Pandora and put on the app for Pandora. And we found the 90s um, romantic songs, you know? Anyone like the 90s over here? I love the 90s and the 80s and stuff. I'm an 80s chick. And so, wow, I just gave my age away. I'm not an 80s chick. I'm a 90s chick, okay? And um, so anyway, so we were in there, we put the music on, and uh, it changed the atmosphere. And recently, for our 11-year anniversary, the same thing happened. We went to one of our favorite restaurants in town, and they forgot the music. Like, who, how do you forget to put the music on in a restaurant that's so important to atmosphere? And, and so we did what we normally do. We got our Pandora out, and we put on Romantic Station, whether it was Michael Buble or Jason Mars, whoever it is. Or, and it was just an awesome date. And there's something that comes with atmosphere that I want you guys to capture today. You see, there is an atmosphere that comes with faith that affects your thoughts. There is an atmosphere that comes with faith that affects your life, your family, your prayers. All that you come in contact with, there is an atmosphere that faith does. And so we're going to talk about that today. And if you're going to take notes, and I hope everyone does, because whenever the word of God is being preached, we need to lean in, glean in, and see what God wants to say. And some people sometimes say, well, why doesn't God speak to me? Well, he's speaking this morning. So if I were you, I would perk up, get your notebook out or your phone or your iPad, and write down what the word of the Lord is for you this morning, because I believe that God has a word in due season for every single person in this house. 
So before we go more into it, let's just pray. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you, King Jesus, you are here. We thank you, King Jesus, that you're in the business of changing lives. You're in the business of restoring hope. You're in the business, Lord God, of, of breathing life and, Lord, making things come together for the good of those who love you. And so I pray that you would put your super on my natural this morning as I get out of myself so, Holy Spirit, you can speak, so, Holy Spirit, you can inspire, so, Holy Spirit, you can change lives this morning, I pray, and a church alive church says, amen. amen. Awesome. So we're going to talk about faith this morning. If you are taking notes, it's called turn it on and turn it up. Turn it on and turn it up. And we're going to look at the dictionary for just a moment to see what the word faith actually means. And faith is defined to have complete trust or confidence in something or someone. To have complete trust or confidence confidence in something or someone. And if we look in the Bible, in Hebrews 11, chapter 1, it says, as the confidence, sorry, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. It's the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I want to ask you this morning, what is your confidence in? Who is your confidence in? And you might be sitting in here and you might be thinking, well, my confidence is in my job because without a job I can't provide for my family. Or my confidence is in my marriage. Or my confidence is in my boyfriend or in my girlfriend. Or my confidence is in my gifts and talents. And the reality is all those things are great. All those things are necessary. However, the problem with that is things are passing. Like they're passing. They're, they're, they're temporary. The only thing that we can have our confidence in that is eternal, that never fails us, that is ongoing is in Jesus Christ and in his word. It never fails us. And so this morning, we're going to talk about what it means to put our confidence, our hope, our trust, our faith in the things that don't fail us, in the things that are not passing. And so we're going to turn it on, and we're going to turn it up this morning. There's three different groups of people in here this morning, whether you're a first-time guest, your first experience in the church is here today, or maybe you're new to the journey of faith and you've been walking with Jesus probably for a year or six months or whatever it is, but maybe there's a lot of people, which as I look into the crowd, there seems to be a lot of people who've been on the Christian walk for quite some time. And so whether you're new or whether you've been here for a while, every single person can turn on faith and turn it up. But I find sometimes that if you've been following Jesus for quite some time, some things tend to happen. You tend to experience the supernatural power of God. You pray and sometimes you see those answers and you've seen God touch your life in a mighty way or you've seen other people's lives be touched. And that's an awesome thing. But what happens as you keep going on your journey and you start maturing in your journey is that Jesus wants to make you into someone who's not a spoiled brat. And what happens sometimes is instead of him answering you as quickly as you would like him to answer, he takes a little bit longer. Not that he's late because everything is made perfect in his time, but he's looking to mature you. He's looking to develop you into a strong man and woman of God. And so today I want to tell you there's a couple of things that happen as if you're, if, when you're in the faith for a while, you tend to sometimes get your faith hurt. You're discouraged or you're disappointed in your faith because perhaps God is not answering it as quickly as you want or maybe God told you no. You know, a long time ago, I was in a relationship with this guy, um, and I remember just praying really, really hard, Lord, just make it work. God, just make it work. God, I really want to marry this guy, and oh, Lord, he's obviously the best thing out there for me. Obviously not. And all this stuff, and I was just praying and praying and praying, and, and when we broke up, I was devastated. I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe we broke up. God, you didn't answer my prayer. 
And today I thank God Almighty. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. About to get down here and do a dance because I did not marry that guy. And he said no to that prayer. And so sometimes when he says yes, praise God, it's in his time. But when he says no, there's a reason why he says no. But so often he says, wait. And there's something that he does in that waiting period that is not to make you annoyed. It's not to frustrate you, but it's to mature you. And so whether your faith has been disappointed or maybe your faith has been discouraged, I want to tell you today it's time to turn it back on and turn it up again. But there's also something about our faith that happens. Sometimes we get too familiar in our faith. We get too familiar if we've been walking with God for quite some time. Sometimes we sit in church for years and we hear messages on faith or we hear messages on provision or we hear messages on hope or whatever it is that we hear. And suddenly, if we're not careful, these words become familiar to us. And there's a health that comes with familiarity and there's an unhealthiness that comes with unfamiliarity. Sometimes when you think about your spouse, right, God calls you to love your spouse with all that you are. You don't give 50%, you give 100%. But we get so familiar with our family, we get familiar in our relationships that we start dishonoring the very thing that we're meant to honor. And that's what happens sometimes when we get familiar with the word, when we get familiar with church, when we get familiar with the things of God, instead of continuing to turn up the volume, instead of continuing to keep honoring what God is teaching us and gleaning in and leaning in every time, even though you've heard about faith five million times, we have to continue to lean in, to glean in because God always has something fresh to teach his sons and daughters. And so what happens in the breeding ground of familiarity is we wind up dishonoring God. And where there's dishonor, God cannot operate in miracles. And you see that? What happened with Jesus? This is Jesus we're talking about. He could do anything. Whenever he's present, miracles can operate. But when he went to his hometown, there was dishonor there for him. And so therefore, he couldn't do miracles. So where are you along that journey? Are you at a place where you're just familiar? You've been sitting in church your whole life. You just, when you sit down, oh, it's another message on faith. Let me go on Facebook. Let me go on Instagram. Let me go text my friend who's in the back booth. Or let me go do this. Or let me go do that. That is dishonoring to the word of God. God is here to speak to you. God is here to give you a word of fresh and anew. So do not allow familiarity to sit in your heart when it comes to things of God. Because you will turn off your faith. And all of a sudden, your faith will be deactivated. And what you thought God would do in your life, suddenly you're not seeing the move of God as much as you thought you would. And as we continue to walk with God, our faith should get stronger and stronger. Miracles should be showing up. Whenever we show show up, we're bringing people, and they're getting saved, and they're getting healed. So something is wrong in the atmosphere when faith is turned down or faith is turned off. So let's see what happens. You guys following? You guys tracking? All right, cool. So today, if you will, I'm going to um, share a couple of the stories of my journey. And often, like, I normally always say a story or two, but I really felt like I needed to encourage some people today on my walk of faith and how God has answered some crazy stories and how also my hurting faith and until recently what I felt like God had to do in my, in my heart regarding faith. And I have a bunch of stories, and I was telling Anthony, should I say the same one? Should I say the other ones? Because honestly, the Lord has done so much goodness in my life, and I always want to celebrate the benefits and always celebrate the blessings and all that he's done. And, and so this morning, I'm going to share some of them with you. Which one should I do? The six-week one? The Australian one? Which one? The six-week one. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to share. He told me to pick. He didn't tell me that one. So there was a time early on in our church where uh, there was six weeks that I wasn't getting an income. 
And those of you who have a home and those of you who have bills, which I think 90%, unless you're under the age of 18 or 17, all of us have bills, PSE&G, water bills, car bills, phone bills, you name it, we have it. And um, there was a time there where all of a sudden things weren't coming in for about six weeks. That's a long time. That's a month and a half. And But, you know, the funny thing is I've preached this word. I've learned this word. It's been a part of me. It's a part of my soul. I've been eating the word for years since I was young. So I know better than to freak out when things happen, but I also know I have to turn up faith. And so when that started happening, I was like, okay, God, you've never failed me. I've never been in need before. What are you doing here? I trust you, though. And so I, I have tithers' rights, and therefore that says that God says I can test him, and that's the only place in Scripture where we, he says that we can test him is in the area of the tithe. And so I tested him in that. I said, all right, God, I know you're going to make a provision, and so I'm not going to freak out here. You're going to do something. But I also know that it's up to us to work as if it is up to us and pray as hard as, it, as, if, as if it's up to God. I'm going to say that again. It's up to us to work as hard as we can as if it's all up to us and pray as hard as we can as if it's all up to God. And I don't, I'm the kind of Christian that, listen, I don't expect handouts. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm in need. Can you give me $1,000? I'm not going to do that. And if other people want to do that, that's your thing. But I'm the kind of person that, hey, if God has given me the ability to work, I'm going to go look for another job. You know, I'm going to go and, and make the way. That's how God provides for us to work. It's not just to sit and expect things to come to us. And so I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to look for maybe 10 to 15-hour job outside of what I do. And he was already working two jobs. And so I was like, all right. So one day I got in the car. I was heading somewhere. I think it was to go buy a newspaper or I don't even remember right now. And I just flippantly said this. I said, Lord, you know, if you want, um, you could throw a 1000 bucks in the mail for me, you know, just saying, or you can provide me a job that I'm looking for. And I just kind of flippantly said that. And I went on. But I had already prayed before, like a day or two before that, like, Lord, you need to show up here, and I'm trusting you, and I know you're my provider. So I already gave it in God's hands. And that prayer was just like a, if you want to, God, you could throw a 1000 bucks in my mail. 24 hours later, I was getting out of the house, checked my mail, and there was a, a card in there from someone that we had met a year earlier from California. And I opened it, and there was a card, and there was a $1,000 check in there. I was like, Oh, wow, I didn't even fast for that one and just cap it, you know what I mean? And look, and I'm going to tell you this. There has been many times I've prayed for that thing to happen again, and it hasn't happened again. <laughs> but it did happen that one time. And this story doesn't end there. A couple of days later, I get a check in the mail from PSENG apologizing that for two years they were charging us the wrong rate on something. We got a check for over $600 saying, I'm sorry, here's your money, we charged you wrong. I was like, who does that? No company does that. You have to like fight them for the money, you know? And then a few days later, and this is all within a span of two weeks that this stuff started happening. And then a few weeks later, um, some lady from our church, like a young lady, she was watching something on TV, I think on Channel 7, this news thing about saying there's a website called called missingmoney.gov. Write this down. This might help somebody in here. And I'm not even kidding you. And so what happens is sometimes when you change jobs or you move state, you forget to collect. I don't know who would do this, but obviously I did it. You forget to collect a paycheck from a previous job or the IRS owes you money. You moved and they couldn't track you, which is not real. How can they not track you? Anyway, so I thought she was kind of like joking or I just thought I was like, oh, this is not real. But she's like, I know this is going to sound weird, Miriam. I don't want you to think I'm stalking or anything like that. But I put my family's name. I found it. And I just remembered, let me check Pastor Miriam's name. I'm like, who does that? I was like, weird, you know. But I was grateful. And she's like, and believe it or not, there's missing money on your name. And I was like, okay. I was like, okay, this is weird. I went on. It was a legit website. So I submitted it. 
I couldn't believe how quickly it came, but I was expecting it to be like $10, $20. And I got two checks, one for a cent, and then it was one for seven, $701.01. And I was like, what? Where, how is this even possible, you know? And it just kept coming. And then Anthony got the opportunity to speak at a large church, and they were just so generous with his love offering and honorarium that by the end of all these two weeks or however long it was, that time frame, we got all the money from those six weeks and then some. And that just shows you that God takes care of his people. When you put your trust and your confidence in him, his provision is for you. Can I get an amen on that? Can we give God praise for that? I have like a couple of stories of healing, one to do with like my, my vocal nodules and needing all this stuff. But I'm going to share you one that some of you already heard. And this was like a more serious one. And that's why I want to share it. Um, numerous years ago, before having Ben, so my son is six, he'll be seven in December. A year before that, um, I started going through some weird health issues. And I couldn't put my finger what was going on. I went to get some blood worked on. And the doctor, as they do, they like to freak you out sometimes. They're like, oh, something's wrong with your blood. We got to do some more tests. And I'm like, uh -huh. But at the same time, even though you get a little bit, I knew who my God was. And I knew what he did for me on the cross. I knew that by his stripes I would be healed, so I wasn't going to fear. And so I was in faith. I was like, okay, send me for your test. She made me go have an MRI. And I'm a little bit claustrophobic. I don't like to be, like, in close circles. So I'm there, and there's things like banging. You know, anyone ever have an MRI? Isn't that thing annoying, like the noise in there? It's like, Lord, you, like, get saved just in there from all that stuff. <laughs> and um, so anyway... I, by the end of this test, a week later, I get the results, and she sat down, as you do, behind their desk with this really concerned look on her face, and she's like, Miriam, um, just want to let you know you have a tumor in your pituitary gland. And I'm like, my where? And she's like, in your pituitary gland, which is literally right behind here. So there's a gland right behind here, and it's not necessarily in your brain, but it's near your brain. And she's like, and the problem is we could try to have medication for a while, and it might work, but the problem is if it doesn't work, you're going to have surgery, and that's a very sensitive place to have surgery. And I'm like, oh, great. This is awesome. And so she's like, but we're going to try medication for six months. It won't kick in, she said, and I forgot to tell this story earlier, it won't kick in until about two months, but it's going to be really hard on your system. I'm like, oh, joy. So at this point, I go home, I get the medicine, I take it the next day. I was sick. I was like, and those of you who know me, I can't. I don't like being sick. I refuse to be sick. I'll like work until I'm like, you know, blue in the face, vomiting everywhere. It's nasty, but I'll do it. And um, so I was working, and no, I'm sorry, I was sick, and I was in bed, I was throwing up, and it was just like horrible. And I said, no, I refuse to do this. I don't need this. And so I called my mother-in-law in Australia. I said, Bev, I need you to pray with me on this. I need to. I need someone to believe with me. I didn't want to tell my mom. I didn't want to tell my dad because I didn't want them to be in fear. I didn't want them to be concerned. They had enough things to worry about. And so my mother in law, man, I, I said in the first stories, service, if you think a sailor curses, she can curse, but not in that kind of way. She was cursing this tumor, not like with the F-bomb or anything like that, but she was like, I curse that tumor. I speak life into Miriam's body now, and she was like taking ownership of that tumor, and I was like, and I just felt like something broke in me. Something broke, and I was like, man, and I was like, okay, and just like we all do, we kind of tested to see him. Is it kind of coincidence? Is this real? Like, what's going on? And so for the next few days, I started feeling better. And there were some physical things that happened that made me realize, oh, I am feeling better. I'm not sure if I mentioned, but because of this tumor, I wasn't able to have children. Did I mention that? I don't know if I did. So because of this, she said, most likely you won't be able to have children. And I was like, oh, that's not true. I'm going to have a big family. So I was like, okay. You just listen, you nod your head. You're like, I rebuke that. <laughs> you know? And so, um, so anyway, so... 
we go, I say, go to the doctor. I say, hey, I know I'm here a lot sooner than I'm supposed to. I was supposed to come in six months, but I'm just telling you this happened and this happened, which means that something is good and something good's happened. She's like, oh, that's not possible. She's like, How, how's the medication going? I'm like, oh, I stopped after a day. And she's like, then it's not possible. You can't be better. There's no way. I'm like, and I didn't want to be obnoxious. You know how some Christians can be obnoxious? Well, my Jesus heals. You know what I'm saying? And I don't want your disbelief to enter my face. So I cursed those words. You know how I was like, I'm not going to be that person, but I'm going to give her a sincere answer. And she's like, you know, I'm like, I really just want you to do these tests. And she's like, okay, but it's going to cost you more money. And it's just a lot of more work. And I don't want another MRI and all that stuff. And I hate blood, getting blood done. I'm like, I just really, she's like, okay, but why? And I'm like, to be honest with you, I just, I believe in God, and I believe that prayer works, and I just know that something feels different, and I just want to show you, well, I didn't say I want to show you, I said I just want to see if what I'm feeling is what I believe it is, and she's like, okay, and I was really humble about it, and we have to understand that when we speak to people who don't know Jesus, you have to do it tactfully and with humility, and don't be obnoxious. Side note, okay, let's move on. So anyway, she did the blood work, did the test, she came back, she looked at me, she's like, um, well, I don't know how, and I'm thinking, I know how, I know how, you know, she's like, um, yeah, but your tests are completely normal, everything is completely fine, like, everything is awesome, and I was like, oh, okay, and I didn't say, I told you so, even though everything inside of me wanted to say, I wanted to get a megaphone and be like, I told you so, you know, it's my favorite thing to say, and um, it's a mom thing, I think, but a year, <laughs> yes, but a year later, Ben was born, you know, and then a few years after that, Rachel was born, and then a few years after that, Hope was born, and so this is just to say, hey, you can believe for your healing. You could turn it on and turn it up, and God is able, and he is more than able, and he can do anything that you can put your heart to and turn your faith for. Something Anthony said that we learned this week in our retreat, hey, when Jesus is there and he is there, it's up to us to activate that faith for the miracle. Jesus wants to give it to us. We need to activate it. This last story I want to share with you, it's actually an important story, and not too many people know it unless you're, the cl you're close to us, but when me and Anthony were dating, we dated for about three and a half years. It's a very long journey. <laughs> it was one of those annoying relationships where you're always on a break, you're always breaking up, you're always on a break, you're always breaking up. And I was like, what is going on here, you know? And so I wasn't the dramatic one, he was. <laughs> you know, well, that's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. No, I'm totally lying on the pulpit. I'm sorry. I was a dramatic one. But there was reasons for it, people. Bear with me, okay? And there was just, as anyone in a relationship, look, it's fearful. You want to make sure you're making the right choice, right? And it's, it's a legitimate reason that you're confused sometimes. You're wondering, God, is this you? Is this the right thing? And, and sometimes God just says, hey, I just, dude, be wise. My word says find someone in the faith, marry someone like this. And the rest is up to you. You pick who you want to marry. It's up to you. There's nothing else in scripture that says the person has to look like this, do like this, da, da, da. No, but I was really, I was really adamant about who I was going to marry because I knew that I was called to build the kingdom of God with someone. And I wanted whoever I chose to have that same call. I wanted to be able to do the journey and do life with someone that was going to help me do what I knew was a call in my life. And so long story short, we broke up and it wasn't pretty. It was one of those things. I'm like, look, I am not going to mess around. You make a decision. I literally gave him 24 hours. I said, you have 24 hours to decide if you want to be with me or not, because I know I'm a good girl, and I know that I'm worth better than this, and so if you can't make up your mind, I'm moving on. He's like, okay. And so 24 hours later, I get the phone call, and he was in Australia already, right? I get the phone call, and he's like, hey, I was like, hey, I'm kind of like not sure what he's going to say at this point, you know? I'm like, well, let's see what he's going to do. If he's smart, he'll stay with me. If he's stupid, he'll leave, and so, and he was stupid. So 
stupid. Like, oh, it's, you know. He's obviously gotten smarter. Um, and so he broke up with me, you know? I was like, dude, you just, you have no idea what you're gonna miss out in your life though, you know what I'm saying? But I was cool, I was like, it's all right, it's all right, cool, I'll move on, you know? And, and obviously there was pain, but in the midst of that pain, I had that assurance that God was so gonna take care of me. I was so confident, even though it hurt. I preached a message at the retreat yesterday um, saying that in the midst of pain, I had peace. You know, it is well with my soul. And so in the midst of that pain, of that heartbreak, and that I wanted to punch him in the throat, there was peace in my heart. You know what I'm saying? I love you, baby. You made the right choice. You married me. And so uh, anyway, long story short, um, something crazy happened. And I came back home so determined to move on. Um, my mom had a dream. My mom was a prayer warrior. My mom is a woman of dreams and visions and, and stuff like that. And I really respect her, even though we argue a lot. And she one day said she was having a dream. And when she woke up from the dream, the Lord had shown her that Anthony showed up on our door, a doorstep with two suitcases unannounced, like a surprise. And I kind of started laughing. I was like, Ma, Anthony is a wonderful guy. Obviously, I dated him. And um, he's just fearful. He's very careful. I don't want to say fearful, but he was just very careful because he wanted to make sure he was making the right choices. And, and he would never come from Australia here unannounced because he knows that I'm going to tear him up. I'm going to be like, no, 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 you know? And so she's like, Miriam, I'm just letting you know this is you know, what I feel. I'm like, okay. So a week later, she went to ShopRite, as women do, do their thing, and they're coming out of ShopRite, and she said the same exact dream came up again, but like in a vision. Like she walked out of ShopRite. It was almost like this movie was playing before her eyes for just a few moments, and it was the same exact dream. So I kind of took that. That's the second time then. I was like, all right, Lord, whatever. I'm not going to laugh this time. I'm going to take it to you. And I confidently went to the throne of God, and I said, God, I know that you care for me, and I know that you care for my future, and you know I want to build your house, and you know I want to do something of significance for you, and you listen, you don't have to be in full-time ministry for you to be fulfilling the purpose of God for your life. You could be a lawyer, you could be a business person, you could be a doctor, you could be a teacher, you could be a house cleaner, whatever it is, you can all fulfill the purpose of God for your life, and so anyway, so I prayed before the Lord, and <laughs> kind of funny. I had already purposed in my heart I was going to Hillsong College for leadership school, ministry school um, that summer. And I was like, dude, you know, Lord, here's the reality. I'm supposed to be going in July. He didn't know I was actually going to be going. And I was like, if this is you, then he needs to come 30 days before I leave. Because I'm not about to just go to Australia and a bunch of people are going to think I'm chasing Anthony. That's not going to happen. I have to have some dignity here. I have some pride here. And so, Lord, help me out. Like, if I'm going to go, that he, if this is you and I'm supposed to be back with him, 30 days before I leave. So I was leaving July 18th. Then on June 18th, he will show up unannounced on my doorstep like my mother's dream with two suitcases. I forgot about it. I literally forgot about it. I went before God. I gave it to him. I'm so, I was so confident. And I think this is where we sometimes forget in prayer that we can come confidently. Because if we come in fear, it's almost like you sabotage your prayers. You have to come confident, not because in who you are, but because you're coming confident because of who God is and who he says he is. And so I came confidently, and I left confidently from that prayer, from that throne of grace. You know, I left. I walked away, and I was like, all right, it's in your hands. And I literally moved on. Six months later goes by. In that time, Anthony calls me. He finds out I'm coming to Hillsong College. And he's like, oh, hey, Miriam, what's going on? I'm like, what's up, Anthony? And he's like, uh, I hear you're coming to Australia. I'm like, I am. And he's like, can I come see you? I'm like, nope. And he's <laughs> like, um, but I'm like, I don't want to get distracted. I have my eye on the prize, and that is the kingdom of God, and that's it. And he's like, well, uh, okay, how about a month after you're there and you're settled in? I'm like, nope. 
And he was like, okay. He's like, and then he called me like about a week or two later. And he's like, um, what if I came in a limo and I picked you up at the airport? I said, nope, not happening. Not picking me up. I'm going there. I'm going to make my own friends. I'm not going to have you as a fallback. Not happening. And then he called, like, I think a week later. And he's like, so you're still coming? I'm like, I'm coming. And he's like, what if I show up with Baloo? And he was like, I was like, no, not happening, you know? A part of me was like, I hope he does it, you know? But I was, like, going to be strong. I had to show myself strong. And so long story short, I completely forgot about dates. I forgot about a whole bunch of stuff. And June 18th comes around. I'm hanging out with my girlfriends. They're coming in from Virginia to come visit me. I woke up that morning. These words come out of my mouth. Get ready, Anthony's coming today. And I was like, wait, who said that? And it was me, but it was just like weird. It was like, what the, you know? And so I was like, okay. I go downstairs. I go hang out. I go by this big window we have by our house as if I was waiting for him. I'm like, this is so weird. The feeling was so strong. I literally got the courage to call his roommate in Australia, which you don't do that when you're like trying to be all cool and all dignified. So I called and I'm like, hey, Craig, this is Miriam, you know, Anthony's friend, you know, the best thing that happened to me, let me go. And, and I was like, um, I was just wondering, is he there? And he's like, no, no. And he was in on it. He's like, he's down the street. He went to go get something from this, you know, the supermarket, the shop. I was like, okay. He's like, I'll let him know you called. I'm like, do not let him know I called. Just forget I even called. Don't tell him I called, you know. So long story short, we're driving with my girlfriends into the city to, um, I say long story short a lot. I just realized, okay, I'll stop. Long story short, um, so, <laughs> so I'm driving into the city to go to this concert. I get a phone call, and it's Anthony. He's like, honey? I'm like, first of all, you don't call me honey. I ain't your honey yet, all right? And, uh, but I was like, yes. And, he, and I'm like, and these are the words that come out of my mouth. Look how crazy this is. I'm like, where in the world are you? And he's like, uh, what do you mean I'm in a parking lot or a car park? That's how they say it in Australia. I'm like, I know, okay, I don't care about that, but where in the, like, if there's a map, like, pinpoint it, where in the world are you? And he's like, and he had this, like, little pause, and he's like, I'm in America. I was like, what? I was like, where in America? In Hawaii? Like, where are you? And he's like, I'm in Rutherford. People, I did the stupidest thing you can ever imagine. First of all, I hung up on his face, and I found out where in Rutherford he was at, the train station or the cabbie station, I didn't know. And then I did a U-turn in the Port Authority, like where the cops were. I literally did a K-turn. I was like, put my car in fifth gear, because I love driving stick shift. Downshifted that thing and literally flew up Route 3 and like was rushing home. Called my mom, mom, is Anthony there? She's like, your nephew? I'm like, no, 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 my Anthony. She's like, you're Anthony. I'm like, Australian Anthony. She's like, no. So anyway, we get home. Anthony's car, he rented a car, slowly driving in front of my home. I see it, I could tell it's him. We did that weird movie thing. You know that movie thing where you start hearing the music? We come out of our car, I, I promise. We start running to each other. It's like, na, 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 na. And here's the crazy thing. That night, I go to bed after like talking for a while. We may or may not have made out. And we go back. And all of a sudden, I go to my room. And we're sitting there. And the Holy Spirit said to me, repent for making out. But then, no, I'm just kidding. He said, go grab your journal and look at December 29th. And I was like, oh, I so know what this is. And it was my prayer, Lord, 30 days before I leave for Hillsong, if he's supposed to be the one you want me to marry, he will show up at my doorstep unannounced with two suitcases. June 18th, on my doorstep, two suitcases unannounced. The Lord showed up because I trusted and I put my confidence and my hope in him. Isn't that a crazy story? It should be written somewhere. <laughs> 
But anyway, I tell you all these stories because I want to tell you it's time to turn up faith. It's time to turn it on, turn it up. And, and maybe you just need to raise the volume. Maybe you deliberately turned it off because you've been discouraged or you grew familiar. I want to tell you today, the same way we turned on music to improve the atmosphere, if you need to improve the atmosphere of your home, if your thoughts are full of anxiety and depression, it's because your faith is turned down. It is time to start speaking life into your heart, life into your words, life into your home. It is time to start speaking forth the words that God has spoken about you. You see, sometimes there's so much stuff in here that is written for us and about us, and we forget these words, and we get so familiar. We forget the confessions that we get to have. We forget that we stand on the promises of God, and we start living this Christian walk so blah. Our Christian walk gets boring because we stop seeing God show up in a big way because we stop praying for it in a big way. You see, what you pour into it, you will get. If you pour into big, big faith and big prayers, you will get big results. His word says in Hebrews 11, and I'm so lost in my notes here. Here it is. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Because of your faith and endurance. Sometimes we need to wait, and we need to see how God will manifest his power on our behalf. The promises come because of our faith and our patience. Don't give up just because you feel like you've been waiting for too long. There's a story in the Bible, and we pick it up in Genesis chapter 18. I'm not going to read it because it can be long, so if you want, you can read it at home. It's about Abraham and Sarah, big, big couple of faith that we call it in the Bible, but it didn't start that way. You see, Sarah, she was barren for many, many years. And I believe for many years she prayed and she hoped that she would have a child. And she was promised a child. But the years went on. The years went on. I'm sure she hoped for it when she got married as a young lady. Back then you got married pretty early, 14, 15. And she's nearing 100 years old and that promise was not fulfilled. And something happens when you wait and you get discouraged. When you wait and the wait gets you weary. Because the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. Because in season you will reap if you faint not. That's Galatians 6, 9. But the problem is we wind up not getting the reward. We wind up not getting the inheritance because we get weary and we faint. And we stop pressing in. We stop pushing. Push, pray until something happens. We stop. But Sarah got to this point where she became a certain way. And, and all of a sudden, these, these guys appear. Well, they're the angels of the Lord. They appear to Abraham. And they're like, where's Sarah? Sarah's in the tent. Okay, well, I'm just letting you know in a year you're having your son. And Sarah's hearing this, and she's cracking up in the back. And they're like, why is she laughing? And the reason why she was laughing is because she was old. And she just didn't believe the promise for her life anymore. And this is what happens to us as believers when maybe we've been waiting and we've allowed the weight to discourage us, when we've allowed the weight to disappoint us, when we've allowed the weight to maybe make us familiar. So we're like, oh, yeah, God shows up. I believe in God. I go to church because I love God and I believe in God, but I don't believe him to do anything else in my life. And what happens is, number one, we become cynical. How many times do we hear stories of God's breakthrough in someone's life and you're like, I doubt it. That was a coincidence. Someone got healed. That was a coincidence. Oh my gosh, I've done that so many times. I'll be the first one to raise my hand. We become unteachable. Sarah became unteachable. The angels were just telling her something that was straight from the Lord's mouth. And she's like, yeah, right. How many times is God trying to teach you something, but because maybe you've been disappointed or you've been discouraged or you've become familiar, you just become unteachable. There are Christians who will sit here until there are hundreds of years old. I'm just declaring life over you. Hundreds, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden you just stop growing because you've heard it all. Don't become unteachable. Examine the state of your faith this morning. Examine the state of your mind, of your heart this morning. 
But the biggest tragedy of all is number three, we stop praying. You might do those courtesy prayers, thank you for this food, thank you for this day, give us traveling mercies, amen. But man, what happened to this prayer? Lord, I'm believing for my marriage. Lord, I'm believing for my son to get off of drugs. Lord, I'm believing for my wife to stop whatever, getting drunk or whatever it is. Lord, I'm, I'm believing for this church. I'm believing for kids to get off of drugs. I'm believing, God, for this and for that. God, I'm believing for this breakthrough in my job. I'm believing for a breakthrough in my mind. I'm believing for a breakthrough in my family. I'm believing for a breakthrough, God, all around me and for the people I've been praying for salvation. And all of a sudden, you become a Christian who your prayers were big because you knew your God was big. So all of a sudden, you made your God into this little box. You put him into a box and say, well, you haven't answered me before. You must not want want to answer me again and God said get me out of this box I have so much in store for you your life has not even scratched the surface hey until we're breathing God has a plan and a purpose and you don't have to be in ministry to fulfill the call of God on your life you just have to say yes Lord I'm here I'm turning on my faith I'm turning up my faith because I know that you have a work for me to do here in this earth that is why I'm all alive I am not a mistake I was not here just because my parents had fun one night I am here because there's a mandate a mantle on my life for me to make a difference I want to stir somebody up in here it doesn't matter where you came from it doesn't matter the baggage you carry or carried God has something for you it is time to rise up again you don't have to be on this pulpit for you to be able to share that you just have to be willing for God to use you wherever and however he chooses to but it's up to you to turn on faith and turn it up it's up to you Jesus is here, he is present, but it's up to us to activate that faith so he can do the miracles on your behalf. I want this verse I'm going to share with you to be a verse that you really just engrave in your heart. Whether you have to like put it on your fridge or put it in a laminated paper in your shower or put it on your card deck. Just don't read it while you're driving it though. Just memorize it. Whatever it is, I want you to take this and as a declaration over your life. Hebrews 10.39, it says, but we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. We don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. You do not belong to those who shrink back. Hey, if Jesus is your Savior, you are called to go forward. You are called to make a difference. You are called to keep making strides in the direction that the kingdom of God is calling you to go in. So stop shrinking back. Stop drawing back. Stop quitting. There is no quitting. You have to go forward. You can make mistakes and you can fall back, but it's okay. Just get up and try again. Get up and let God carry you. Turn on faith and keep it up because there is so much left in you. There's so much that you haven't begun to see. The word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard for, the, for what God has for those who love him. Man, you haven't even begun to see the promises of God in your life unfold the way they need to. Stir up faith. You know, I went through a period till about recently, and I'm going to wrap it up real quickly, where I actually got slapped in the face. Yes, a pastor can go through a period where their faith is not great. And until about recently, I was in a funk that just freaked me out. I didn't realize I got to this point. I had discouraged faith. I, had, I was disappointed in my, in, in, in my prayer life. I, I was just like something is not right. And I realized the reason why things weren't right in my prayer life and things weren't right in my confession and all that stuff is because I had a faith that was hurting. And it has all to do with this building right here. 
You see, when we first moved into the Williams Center, I had such a faith for it. I was like, we're going to own this thing. We're going to own it. It's gonna, they're going to give it to us for a buck, and it's going to be this, like, lighthouse in this community where we're going to, like, go into the schools, and we're going to go into the nursing homes, and we're going to do something for the kingdom of God, and we're going to get these kids off drugs, and we're going to lower the suicide rate in this community. We're going to lower the drug rate in this community. Our church is going to make a difference. This building is going to be ours. They're going to hand it over to us because we're so involved in the community and making a difference. But through the years, I just didn't see that happening. I started seeing all the problems with the building and how much it was going to cost us. And man, it's going to cost millions to make this building a state-of-the-art building. And, and Lord, you know, our church is so many young people and, you know, they're just starting off in life. And how are we going to get the resource? How are we going to get the resource? Like I forgot how big my God was. And all of a sudden I started looking at the size of this building. And I thought for a second or maybe longer than a second that this building was bigger than my God. And all of a sudden in church and as we were doing the capital campaign, I just found myself like, yeah, I believe for it. I was just faking it till I made it. But I, at least I was still confessing it. Even though I was hurting in, in a sense of how my faith was, I was still at least, Lord, ugh, I don't know if I believe it. I, I, I'd rather us look for something else that's not going to take so much faith. Because faith is stretching. And anyone ever like stretch before you work out? I'm like over here, oh, I can't get going a little lower, you know what I mean? But if you keep stretching, you get further and further. And that's how it is. You got to keep stretching. The more you stretch, the more it hurts, but it's okay. You'll get further. And so Pastor Gacy Potom was here a few weeks ago, and he's the most amazing man. Such a simple word, such a simple message, nothing major, nothing like, ooh, cool illustrations. Oh, he's so funny. He just said one thing. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Holy Spirit went on me. And I was like, oh, I'm not pleasing you right now, God. I don't have to work for God's, you know, to be pleasing to God. I have his grace. But in the area of faith, I was not pleasing God. And it was time that I needed to change that. I started hearing stories of, of like what happened with Yesi Padam and all that God did and, and how he believed God. And I was like, oh my gosh, my faith is stirring again. It's been a while, but my faith has been discouraged. My faith has been hurt. And it's because maybe it took a little longer than I thought. But God didn't want to give us a building before it was time. Listen, you don't want to have something before you can handle it, right? You don't want to have to manage something that you just don't have the manpower for it. And so God knows what he's doing. Always. The same way that I prayed for that other guy and praise the Lord God Almighty, he didn't give him to me. The same way I'm praising God that we don't have this building just yet, but we will in his time. Look, I always want to give us something to take home as far as application, but I want you guys to know something. Our faith loses its power when we actively trust in our circumstance more than we do in God. But the opposite is true as well. Fear loses its power when we actively trust God more than what we fear. Hear that again. Our faith loses its power when we actively trust in our circumstance more than God. But fear loses its power when we actively trust God more than what we fear. You might be wondering in here, but Miriam, how do I even turn this thing on? How do I turn faith on? How do I turn it up? Like, I feel so far from it. I don't even know how to believe. I don't even know. Listen, the beginning point of faith is basically this believing in God's character, that he is who he says he is. And the end point of faith is believing in God's promises, that he will do what he says he will do. It's as simple as that, guys. I love the song selection this weekend. It was, you know, I believe, I believe in God. What a declaration. And we sing it and oftentimes we forget it. You know, we sing oceans about faith and not being afraid. And how many times do we sing these songs and, and it really, 
I sing it, Lord. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it feels good. Your presence is beautiful. But then we walk out of here and it's like, yeah, I don't believe for that. Yeah, I don't believe for my marriage. Yeah, I don't believe for financial breakthrough. We sabotage the very thing that we just trusted God for. Change your language. Change your confession. Change it. Four things I want to tell you. Pray big prayers that you stop praying. Pray again. Maybe there was something you were believing God for like three years ago, and you were in faith about it, and you were fasting about it, and three years go on, and you stopped praying about it because you gave up. You're like, God, if you want to do it, just do it. If you want to, I give up. Or like you don't give up, but you just kind of like go from being fervent in your prayer to suddenly like, yeah, God, I just, if and when you want to heal my son, then it's up to you. Or maybe you're believing for a certain home and, and maybe it didn't go through. So then you're kind of like, well, I'm not going to believe again. Maybe God doesn't care about whether I get this home or not. Keep praying. Pray big again. Your God is big. So he didn't answer the way you thought he should answer. He's God. He knows better. Pray again. Pray those big prayers. Number two, have a culture of faith about your language. Have a culture of faith in your family. Hey, take I can't, I won't out of your vocabulary. It affects the atmosphere. Have a culture of faith about you. People are attracted to that. You know, people are having a bad day. You know what? What about you? What if you just went like, hey, can I pray for you? You're having a bad day? Don't be weird. Don't get all like about it, like try to push them over. No, just like, Lord, I believe the best for you. Lord, I believe that you're going to, you know, Lord, I just believe that you're going to do something in this man's heart. Lord, I believe that you're going to do something in his family. You don't have to be weird. Just be in faith. Number three, be a part of a connect group and serving team here at church. Every person I know with great faith has always surrounded themselves with people with even greater faith. We need to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Be a part of a connect group. Be a part of a serving team. Every weekend, serving teams here get an opportunity to see what God is doing in the house, how the house of God is growing, how the house of God is changing lives. Be a part of that. And lastly, take your faith into your community. God is looking for people with large faith to make a difference in their workplace, in their schools, in their community. Pray for people. Be generous to people. Believe in people. Speak the best about people. And these things will help us turn on faith and keep it up. Always live with the expectation that the Lord can do something, will do something, when your faith is turned on and turned up. And that last scripture, once again, that I want to leave you with, Hebrews 10.39. But we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I believe that over our church, we are not of those who shrink back. In Jesus' name, you do receive the word this morning. Amen. I'm going to invite my husband up to talk to a couple of people. Hey, just stay in a moment of prayer for a moment. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your head? You know, Miriam told a funny story, actually, of me and her, and we were broken up, and we got back together. We had this kind of running moment, movie moment, where we kind of ran and hugged each other, and exactly. And um, it, was, uh, it was a cool thing. Um, but do you know that Scripture actually has that moment for you and me? That the Father actually, if you'll take steps towards 
uh, God, he'll actually start running towards you. A prodigal son was dirty, broken, busted, disgusted, doing drugs, all kinds of stuff, sexual sin. He was in the mud and the muck, but he made a decision to start heading towards the father's house. And in the father's house, he didn't find hatred. He didn't find condemnation. He didn't find what he thought he'd find. He didn't find a, a God who was mad at him with a big stick. What he found was the arms of grace. And I just want to encourage someone in here today, if you feel far away from God, you've never said yes to God. Maybe you said yes to religion. You've prayed prayers, gone to church. But can I invite someone to run back to God today? Can I invite someone to say, listen, you might have been doing stuff last night that you know you shouldn't have been doing. But if you'll make one step to God by faith, He will, make, he will start running towards you. Christians are praying. If you invited someone today, you might be here today for the very first time. You've been coming for quite a while. Have you, do you know the person of Christ? Do you know He's forgiven your sin? Do you know that He's got a plan? Do you know He's got a purpose for your life? He has something for you. Don't miss out on it. Heads bowed, eyes closed in this moment. If that's you today, I want to pray with you in a moment. I want to introduce you or reintroduce you back to not a prayer, not a church, not a religion, but a person. His name is Jesus. There's no one like Him. He'll forgive your sin. He'll give you purpose and meaning. He'll say yes to you in heaven. He's got something for you. How do you do it? You call upon His name. You call upon His name by faith. You don't have all the answers. You may have doubts and questions still. You might be like, oh, but I'm still in this lifestyle. Don't try to clean yourself up to get to God. He'll clean you up. You'll just make a mess. Someone's here today and they've, they've been ritualistically praying to God. Can I tell you, unless you're born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Jesus wants to come into your heart, into your mind into your life. He wants to make your heart clean. He wants to make your heart His home. If you're here today and you feel like all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, we're going to pray a simple prayer in a moment. And it's a prayer that connects us to the Father but says, Jesus, come be the Lord. Come be the Savior of my life. We're going to pray a simple prayer. But from the bottom of your heart, if you're here today, far away from God, here today, never accepted the person of Christ in your life. You've never turned to Him. You can do that in this moment. There's some men in here you need to do that. You've got a little bit of religion, but you don't have Jesus. There's some women in here today. There's a you've got a little bit of religion, but you don't have Jesus. And today, I believe the Holy Spirit's drawing some people right here and right now. And it's time to run home. It's time to say yes to the Father. It's time to run home to heaven. It's time to say yes to God's plan and purpose. It's time Someone in here, it's time. It's time. Holy Spirit's drawing your life. It's time. He's saying yes to you. He's drawing your life. Even right now, as I speak, He's drawing you. I sense the Holy Ghost moving in the house. He's drawing someone. He's saying, listen, son, you don't know me. Listen, daughter, you don't know me. You know a bunch of rules. You know regulations. You're playing a game. You're playing church. You're, you're in church Sunday. You're everywhere else Monday to Saturday. There's someone here. You need to decide today to come home to Christ. He has something for you. He wants to change your life. Listen, He is the God of the universe. He knows everything about you and ridiculously loves you. His grace is immeasurable for you, but you have to respond. You have to say yes. We're going to pray a prayer right now. 
There's some people who are going to do that right here and right now. Let's pray this simple prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for looking for me when I wasn't looking for you. Thank you for stepping out of heaven. Thank you for dying on a cross for my stuff, my sin, my funk. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Today, I turn my heart over to you. I ask that you come into my life. Forgive my sin. Give me purpose for life. I've been far from you. Today, I want to run back to you. I give you the tax title and deed of my life. Be the Lord. I put my faith in you. Heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer right here, right now. I just, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I do want to see it. There's people here today that need to respond and say, Anthony, I did that all across the place. Say, Anthony, right here, I played that. Come on, lift your hand, lift it up real high. And just say, yep, I prayed that with you today. Thanks, buddy. Come on, real quick, just slip it up and say, man, I came back to Christ today. I accepted Christ into my heart today. Anyone here? Real quick. Thanks, bro. Come on, anyone else? Anyone else? This is a moment of faith for you. If you'll acknowledge Him, He begins to show up in your life. There's someone else. Just want to say, there's someone else. Thanks, sweetheart. That's awesome. Anyone else? Someone else? One more guy here. You need to do that right now. You pray, you mean it, you're coming back to God. Just acknowledge Him, and I'll acknowledge you, and I'll pray for you. Real quick. Anyone here? Surrendering your heart to Jesus. Surrendering your heart. Anyone else? Last few seconds. I want to include you in the prayer. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for those people who responded to you. I thank you, Lord, that you are so merciful. I thank you that you are so kind. And I speak your blessing over your people right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray that every single person within the sound of my voice and downstairs and kids, God, we wouldn't run from you. We would run to you. You would activate faith in this house in the name of Jesus. Come on. And everyone said, come on. Can you put your hands together for those people that responded for Christ? Wasn't that a great word? Bit of a funny word too from my wife. You didn't realize I was so corny. Hey, we're going to enter the time of uh, our, our service where we worship God with our giving. Let's get ready for that. You can obviously give by cash, check, or credit. You can, uh, one of the easiest ways you can do right on the, the offering envelope is obviously on the flip of this. You can actually automate your giving. Um, obviously, one of the great ways that you can honor God and, and uh, you know, it's easy to forget checks. It's easy to forget all that kind of stuff. But if we all just take moments and say, God, I want to put you first in my life. Um, on the third Sunday of every month, we give money across to India. We sponsor eight families in uh, India and we sponsor them. We want to plant other churches and, and build other churches in India. So above regular giving, make sure that you're just part of that. And, and uh, hey, it could be $1, could be $10, could be $20. But you just on a monthly basis say, hey, I'm going to make a difference in the lives of other people. We also sponsor another evangelist that travels around and we want to sponsor. Um, it's actually my mom, one of the great, one of the great best one-on-one -on -one evangelists I've 
ever met in my life. It's actually my mother. She travels all over the shop, Papua New Guinea. She was in seven different nations last year. And uh, so we helped sponsor that. And so I just want to make sure that we're sponsoring that. And um, in the next year and a half, we want to build two more churches in India. So when you give to um, missions, that's what it's going to. And uh, I believe that our church can even do more in that in the time to come. Amen. Are you ready to give? Are you ready to give by faith? Seven of you. Let me pray for you as you get ready to give. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your life and spirit. I thank you, Lord, that, God, you're so gracious. I thank you, God, we get to build what you're building. It is your church. It is your kingdom. Father, I lift up every person from the youngest to the oldest, in the area of their resource, the area of their finance. And I just pray, God, that they'd be wise. I pray, God, they'd be full of faith. I pray, God, that this church would be such a generous church. God, that we would be um, just, uh, just the house would be full to flowing over. So that, God, we can make a difference in so many different places. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. Hey, don't show the video real quick. I forgot to tell you something. Uh, Magno and I are going to Madagascar um, on Thursday night. So would you be praying for us and with us about Madagascar? Come on, we'll be um, doing a pastor's conference there and actually um, doing some evangelism nights and so forth. And really get to uh, see lots of people come to Jesus. I'm expecting great things, but believe for safety there, believe for uh, safe travels there. Uh, believe for awesome things there. And if you have a heart for missions in years to come, something uh, I would love to take you. And uh, you can go and um, move it, move it with um, Madagascar. Hey, Amen. Come on. Let's worship God without giving now. Hey, guys. Pastor Anthony here. Hope so much that this message just impacted your life in an amazing way. If it did, feel free to share it on one of the social media outlets. And if it really impacted you, feel free to also email us at connect at churchalive.tv. Stay connected online and on our website. We'd love to have you in either Clifton or Rutherford. See you soon.